Hello, I'm Nick Miller and this is The Sunday Miller, a smorgasbord of the news and events of the past week as seen through the eyes of a bloke traumatised by the sight of a once high-ranking government minister on a date night with an 80s pop star enjoying a menu of sheep's vagina and fermented duck egg. On my way to the studio via Greenwich Park with the family husky pulling with such force on her lead that next time I might as well wear roller skates and let her do all the hard work. So what's been happening in the news this week? It's good to see that Just Stop Oil have just stopped stopping oil for a little while. Their statement says, from today, Just Stop Oil will halt its campaign of civil resistance on the M25 to give the government time to consider their responsibilities to the country at this time. So basically they're sending the government to their room with no supper to think about what they've done. But in the near future, they'll be just stopping, stopping trying to stop oil again, just like that other Just Stop Oil campaigner, Vladimir Putin, who just stopped oil by exploding his own pipelines. He tried using their methods of blocking up the oil pipes with chocolate cake, proved to be not quite as effective. Speaking of which, I've talked a fair bit in recent weeks about the Just Stop Oil demonstrators. Some people regard them as terrorists, but frankly, if they were, they'd be the world's most shit terrorists on account of the fact that they use paint, soup and, of course, chocolate cake as their weapons of choice. But however useless chocolate cake may be in terms of its effectiveness in warfare, it is something the I'm a celebrity jungle campers would kill for. It would be a nonsense and a folly to think of doing a news-based podcast this week without mentioning Matt Hancock. I'm finding him interesting but annoying, although perhaps not in any way that you might be thinking. I know that body shaming is never something to be encouraged, but there is something quite physically annoying about Matt Hancock. He has a very tiny head. He's got one of those much too small receding Tintin heads. It looks like he's ordered his head online and when it arrived, he realised he clicked the wrong link and they sent him one that was actually meant for a small child. But more of him later. All of this tittle-tattle and more interrupted at strategic points by a number of highly flattering endorsements of my contributions to journalism by the one and only voice of the balls himself, the legend they call Alan Dedicote. Run for the hills! It's the Sunday Miller! Now, I don't know if you, like me, try your best to tune into Good Morning Norway every day, but like me, you find yourself faced with Andy Peters threatening to turn up at your house to give you a Range Rover with 70 grand in it. If Andy Peters turned up at my house bearing gifts, I'd double lock the doors and shout through the letterbox, step away from the car and leave the keys under the doormat. Now, if we had managed to tune into Good Morning Norway, we'd have most likely recently seen Joron Victoria Alme, a 53-year-old completely able-bodied senior credit analyst in Oslo, saying that he now identifies as a disabled woman. I think people are being overly critical about gender politics, just because he likes pushing himself around in a wheelchair, wearing a dress and pretending he can't walk. Oh, and there's 52-year-old Paul Walsh, a Canadian mechanic with a wife and seven children who's transitioned into a six-year-old girl called Stefankney and had himself adopted. I mean, how fucking weird is that? Not that he's a 52-year-old mechanic with a wife and seven children who's transitioned into a six-year-old girl and had himself adopted. It's calling himself Stefankney. But none of this should suggest that the whole concept of transitioning is completely nuts. I mean, I personally now identify as a set of occasional tables. I'm quite happy if someone tidies me away under the hostess trolley, but woe betide anyone who decides to put a hot cup of coffee on top of me without a placemat. It's the Sunday Miller. 
I don't know if you've been following the American midterm elections. I mean, why would you? Unless, of course, you're interested in world politics and things that might affect us at some point in the future. Remember, students, you might need to march through London again one day soon to remind Americans who they can and can't vote for. <laughs> Funny enough, they thought it was down to them, but it's obviously down to you. Now, I'm no apologist for Trump, but I do struggle with the notion that our little hobbit mayor thought it was a good idea to allow a rally against an American president who was legitimately elected and nobody's thought to make a balloon of some of the world's most serious villains who never have been legally elected. Kids, I don't know if you've come across Vladimir Putin? Uh, he decided that he wanted to knock through into the neighbour's property without getting planning permission. In the process, 100,000 of his own soldiers have been killed and 100,000 Ukrainians, including 40,000 civilians, have also died. Oh, and the invasion created 7.6 million refugees in the process. I don't know about you, but I reckon it's worthy of a Putin balloon. Or what about Xi Jinping in China? Again, never actually legally elected as president, but hey, democracy, schmocracy. We all like pets, don't we? We keep hamsters and rabbits in cages. Just for fun, Xi likes to keep Uyghur Muslims in cages in labour camps. And when I say labour camp, I'm not referring to where's streeting. I mean, pucker proper slave worker camps, which they call re-education camps. Only the odd 12 million or so Muslims, mind you. Actually, they're the lucky ones. The ones he sent to prison for the crime of being... Well, just for the crime of being. They have their organs harvested. What does that mean? So they're second-class citizens, but apparently their hearts and kidneys are OK to transplant into proper Chinese people. I mean, normally you wait until someone dies before you whip out their lungs, but President Xi has never been one for formalities. Balloon? What do you think, kids? I suppose if they were American, they'd be fair game, wouldn't they? It's funny how some British people are quite happy to say with impunity, I hate Americans, as if they're one amorphous mass. They're happy to say, I hate Americans, in a way that if they said it about any other race or creed, it might be seen to be just a little bit on the xenophobic side. I was talking to a bloke in a pub the other day, not my pub, I hasten to add. People have to do an IQ test to get into our pub to, to deter morons. Well, I say an IQ test. The door says push. Anyway, this bloke said to me, I hate Americans. And I was tempted to say, really? How many? Oh, sorry, I didn't realise you were being a bigot. When you said you ate Americans, I thought that's, that's just why you're such a fat bastard. The Sunday Miller. You wouldn't have to listen to this nonsense if you were in church. The Christmas TV adverts are out now, a veritable deluge of attempts by everyone from Buddy the Elf to Kevin the Carrot, attempting to lure us into supermarkets and jewellers and toy shops to spend huge amounts of the money we haven't got on stuff we never really needed in the first place. Needless to say, the most anticipated Christmas ad for the umpteenth year running delivers yet again. That's assuming you don't book every, the newly rebranded Hermes as the courier, in which case they will deliver, but it'll be a week after Christmas and to a house four blocks away, or oh, left behind a dustbin. I won't tell you what the John Lewis advert is about, just in case you haven't seen it yet, as it would spoil a very worthwhile and meaningful storyline, just as it did for me when I saw it being discussed at length on just about every news programme, website and newspaper known to mankind. It doesn't advertise a single product that John Lewis sells because it doesn't need to. John Lewis's investment in the production of those adverts gets them more publicity than they could ever possibly pay for. You always know it's Christmas when the John Lewis advert arrives and that articulated, brightly lit Coca-Cola lorry tells us holidays are coming. But this year they do have a bit of competition from the likes of Aldi's Kevin the Carrot, parodying that other famous Kevin in Home Alone, and Will Ferrell as Buddy, Buddy the Elf being superimposed into a branch of Asda. But some adverts are just too weird. 
don't know if you've seen the one for TK Maxx with the young girl in the hideous, much too large jacket who we're led to believe has bought presents for every member of what I assume is supposed to be her very large family and the person who I assume is supposed to be her very large dad or some very strange uncle wonders how she can possibly afford to do this. The inference is that if you shop at TK Maxx, everything's really cheap. That may well be the case, but in reality, in TK Maxx, nothing would fit. TK Maxx specialise in selling end-of-line products that haven't sold elsewhere, but in terms of clothing, the only sizes they have are great if you're Ronnie Corbett or Hagrid. And good luck if you do manage to distract the attention of any of the staff to ask if they actually have any other sizes in between. In my experience, they're more likely to turn around and say, yeah, hang on, I'm just doing this TikTok. Nick Miller, the voice of the common man. Very common. Anyway, back to the American midterm elections. So, Donald Trump's predicted red wave never happened, unless he was referring to his fringe. I'm told that if he pegs it before the 2024 election, his hairpiece has announced that it'll be running instead. The red wave actually refers to the fact that the house colour of the Republicans in the states is red and the Democrats are blue, and they were expecting a bit of a surge toward the, towards the Republicans, which didn't happen. So it's sort of the opposite way around to us, with Labour being red and the Conservatives being blue. Although they do say in America that the Republican Party is like the Conservative Party and the Democratic Party is like the Conservative Party. I know it's, look, I know it's a hard concept to process, but Trump has a new enemy. Arch enemy. This time it's not the American judicial system or the taxman or the Clintons or Nancy Pelosi or his wife. Apparently, as the election results were coming in, the Donald was heard screaming with anger at just about anyone and everyone, including his wife. But let's be fair, some people say he doesn't like foreigners, but that's nonsense because every now and again he marries one off the internet. No, his new enemy is a guy called Ron DeSantis, who's the 46th governor of Florida. And he's the Republican Party's new boy wonder, having just been re-elected with a landslide. And of course, Trump doesn't like the fact that he's now favourite to get the party's nomination for 2024. In his customary schoolboy style, Trump's way of dealing with opponents isn't to try and outwit them, but to just to insult them. Remember, crooked Hillary. You can't trust her. She's just crooked Hillary. Uh, there's an entire Wikipedia page devoted to Trump's nickname for his opponents. There are hundreds of them. So his, li- his latest nickname is aimed at Ron DeSantis. He calls him Ron DeSanctimonious probably forgetting to first check what it means. The dictionary definition of sanctimonious is making a show of being morally superior to other people. What does that remind you of? So maybe the dictionary definition of sanctimonious should just be Donald Trump. Nick Miller, the face for radio. The voice for a ransom demand. Of all the talking points this week, it's hard to avoid I'm a celebrity, simply because of the casting. There's Olivia Atwood, who said she'd quite literally grown up watching the show. That would explain a lot. She quite literally never had time for an education because she was quite literally at home watching I'm a Celebrity. Sadly, she was forced to withdraw from the jungle on day one on medical grounds, so I do hope that her broken nail was attended to urgently upon her return. I love the way that the thick one from Hollyoaks had no idea who anyone was when he first arrived. That's usually our job. The lineup of this sort of reality show is normal. Normally a veritable who the fuck's that of television. These days there's always a Love Island person or someone off of YouTube who nobody over 16 has ever heard of. The thick one from Hollyoaks obviously had no idea who Mike Tyndall was, let alone the fact that he was married to a member of the royal family. Tyndall said he met his wife in Australia, so the thick one from Hollyoaks asked if she was Australian. No, she's 
Princess Anne's daughter, Zara Phillips, and even after that revelation, he told Mike that it was really lovely to hear about how he'd met Lara. He didn't know who Boy George was, although in fairness, there have been times in the past when Boy George was so out of it, he didn't know who Boy George was either. And when George explained that TV presenter Scarlett Douglas was from a place in the sun, he said, really, whereabouts? It's comforting to know that when Joey Essex retires from being Britain's most lovably stupid man, there's a natural successor waiting in the wings. But of course, the one jungle inhabitant they're all talking about this year is Matt Hancock, MP for Suffolk West. Kanye West's older brother. Hancock's currently without the whip. He left that at home with Gina Colodangelo. The other campmates are pissed off because they're in there to increase their profile by eating kangaroo bollocks. And with Hancock in the camp, the public are voting for him to get all the Bush-Tucker trials. As for Sean Walsh, he must be thinking, I'm calling my agent. I thought I was going to be the panto villain this year. He expected everyone to sit around talking about his infidelity on Strictly. I'm guessing that whenever they do get around to him discussing the fact that he had a snog with a dancer, the others will say, yeah, whatever. Anyway, Matt, so about PPE. The thick one from Hollyoaks probably thinks PPE is Gareth Gates discussing gym classes. I'm sorry to nick one of Donald Trump's catchphrases, but is there anyone more sanctimonious than Boy George? He blames Matt Hancock for not letting him visit his sick elderly mother in hospital during lockdown. She's fine, by the way. Funnily enough, nobody was allowed to visit anybody in the pandemic. That was the point, especially in hospitals, because that's where vulnerable people can catch stuff. But George seems to have spent his life thinking that he deserves different treatment from everybody else. This is the same boy, George, who was called on the NHS to rescue him numerous times during his escapades with drugs. The same boy, George, who went to prison for 15 months for his moving tribute to Terry Waite. The Sunday Mirror. More balls than the National Lottery. I have on a couple of occasions in these podcasts admitted to the fact that there are some things in life that I just don't understand. But the good thing is that I understand why I don't understand them. So here's another thing I don't understand. Strictly come dancing. I just don't get it. Even the name doesn't make sense. It comes from an old Baz Luhrmann film about ballroom dancing called Strictly Ballroom and an old BBC TV series called Come Dancing. But when the... Two parts of the phrase come together, it doesn't make any sense. It's just a few random words thrown together. It's a bit like having a programme called Slumdog Chrome Watch or Reservoir Pointless. Actually, there's a programme I would watch. They could film that in an old warehouse and if a contestant gets a question wrong, they chop one of their ears off. Bit harsh? I don't know. Uh, the backing band in Strictly reminds me of the sort of greatest hits albums that used to come out when I was growing up. They were actually called Top of the Pops, but no relation to the programme. And this was back in the day before Now That's What I Called Music. And the record companies were too tight to get the actual bands to perform their songs. So they'd have a bunch of session musicians playing cover versions of Top 20 Hits. It's a bit like going to a Spice Girls gig and finding out they've booked a bunch of wedding singers who look more like the Adams Family. Although now I come to think of it, nowadays the Spice Girls, we'll, we'll leave it there. I mean, I get why people who love a bit of dancing and a bit of camp like Strictly. And Tess and Claudia are okay. I, I actually love Claudia, but that haircut. I don't mean to be rude, but I can't stop myself calling it a lunatic fringe. Don't people just watch Strictly so they can talk about which alleged celebrity's getting off with which dancer? I think Channel 4 should take it over, then, like Big Brother, they'll run a 24-hour live stream of the performers so we can catch them out shagging backstage. But it's those Strictly outfits. I think the outfits are the most irritating thing of all. There's so much a critic. Am I alone in finding myself hoping that one day one of them will spontaneously combust? 
Sunday Miller. You wouldn't have to listen to this nonsense if you were in church. I got a bit of flack recently during the Alexander McQueen fashion show in Greenwich for suggesting that Naomi Campbell is actually a bit rough on the quiet. Well, you don't know her like I do, off stage, off the runway, so to speak. I mentioned, and don't shoot the messenger, that she swears like a docker and at the event she was responsible for setting up the scaffolding. It's a little known fact that she drives a tractor to all her fashion shows or if she's just popping to Lidl. But not when she's out socially, of course. She was out last night, locally, causing a kerfuffle again. Apparently she chinned the barman in the Trafalgar then got into a ruck with a taxi driver when she refused to pay. She turned up at mine wanting to borrow a tenner, so I let her sleep in the shed. Big mistake. This morning, all the tools were gone. Fortunately, I knew where I'd find her, Deptford Market. By the time I'd got there, she'd already flogged half of it. But this is the dark side of celebrity. If you want to know the true background on any other famous people, just message me at the Sunday Miller on Twitter and I'll make it up. Sorry, sorry, I'll report the accurate facts. Now, you'll have to excuse me, I'm just off to write another episode of The Crown. It's the one where Prince Edward got into cage fighting with Princess Michael of Kent. You must remember that. Episode five. Well, that's it for another week. Thanks very much for listening. I'd love to hear from you on Elon Musk's new plaything, Twitter, which these days is run entirely by the sole surviving employee, the cloakroom attendant. It's quite simple, just like me, at the Sunday Miller. Remember, you may not agree with some of my opinions, but I'll always listen to yours. In this polarised, divided world, please don't cancel anyone. It may just have a point. I'd like to tell you what's in next week's podcast, but I can't because the news hasn't happened yet. See you next time. The Sunday Miller is written and presented by Nick Miller.